Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we have a special guest this episode, journalist, author, all-around good guy, Richard Newby. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. All-around good guy. All-around good guy. It's great to meet a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. Oh my gosh, we're excited to chat. Uh, Now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, let's start off with this. Do you have any memories of the first time you saw it, where your Mm. feeling was when it came in the MCU? Obviously, this is like mid-late Phase 3, I guess. Probably should have checked this beforehand. Uh, But uh, what were your general impressions the first time you saw this movie, Richard? I mean, I was was super excited going into it. Um, The first one was... You know, one of my favorite MCU movies at the time. Um, and so, you know, I had gone through and watched everything that James Gunn had did uh, since. And, you know, I, I had seen um, Slither uh, before the first one that came out. But then I ended up watching, you know, Super and some of the other stuff that he, he'd worked on and written. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the first one, like, made me a big James Gunn fan. So I was really excited um, going into this one. Um, and I... I, I immediately loved it um, when I when I came out of it. Um, you know, the 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 year that it came out, um, it came out about a year after um, my uh, father-in-law had passed away, oh, and wow. so just like this oh, film, wow. film dealing with like you know dads and you know yeah. not only just like with with Peter's complicated relationship with ego, but also you know Yondu, Yondu that moment like with Yondu at the end and like oh. the funeral and the fireworks. I mean, like yeah. that that really got me. It was it was a really emotional uh, experience, and I saw it with my wife too. And so you know she was she was crying, and so it's always been like kind of this like I think special movie for us that kind of like you know helped us process uh, wow. that grief. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Uh, and I, a little late for this, but just to mention, spoiler warning here, we're obviously going to get into <laughs> yeah. the movie. I assume everybody has already and watched it, but if you have Spoiler on Richard's life as well, we're talking about <laughs> yeah. <Richard's> life <laughs> here. But yeah. the movie, just to mention, was released originally May 5th, 2017, written and directed by James Gunn. It is a direct sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy, taking place a couple of months later, I think. And he's talked about this since... But there are a couple of very, very minor continuity things where just in terms of the time that it came out physically in our world doesn't quite match up to the place it is in the MCU. But I think it works anyway. Um, For you guys watching it again or uh, Justin, we were talking about this before you got on. I think you liked it better this time, right? Yeah, uh, better on the rewatch. I remember watching it um, the first time and I sort of felt like I think it was a lot of the like. Ego was in such a was portrayed in such a way that felt different and and I don't know it's hard to remember exactly why I felt like oh this one I didn't like this as much as the first one but on the re- on rewatching it uh, just today I enjoyed it way more um, and I don't know what that why I don't know why hmm. well you're in a different place uh, you know uh, uh, sometimes movies just hit you differently depending on where you are in life so you know i guess i I am i guess i am more group now (laughs) yeah yeah you are i would say i'm increasingly group Mm -hmm. p what Uh, about you yeah i also um i was uh, when the first time i saw it i was disappointed because 
I had high hopes uh, for Kurt Russell and Ego and like where it was going to go and the whole dad thing. So I was pretty uh, sad that like, you know, uh, he was like, yeah, your mother really didn't mean that much to me. And uh, it was tough putting that brain tumor in her, you know, and like just, you know, Quill's rage, I immediately would kind of like understood and was like, oh man. So I was kind of disappointed, but then the rewatch again, I enjoyed it more the second time going around where I knew what was going on. And also the Yandu stuff hit me, uh, got me choked Yandu's up uh, this, uh, this time, the second time around for sure. Sure. Uh, and I forgot how much I loved his funeral send off. I, I was like, uh, yeah, the first time around, it was definitely amazing. But the second time around, uh, the, the funeral was just so beautiful and so moving. It was uh, it was really well done. Uh, the big difference for me for the first time I saw it to now, and I, I think I've actually seen it a couple of times since, but I was very thrown by the more aggressive uh, humor particularly in the first half of the movie or so, like there's a lot of everybody mm. yelling at each other and digging into mm. each other. That's, that's what families are, man. That's what families are. And I get mm. that, but particularly there's something in terms of the moderation of the humor of Drax in this movie where he's mm. very aggressive. He's always doing that very big Dave Batista ha, 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 laugh. That's just very sharp. Wow, that, and that oh, thank you very much. Really? <laughs> was that good? It. Yeah. Can I take it? Pretty I could do a cameo or something or whatever you want. What do you mean by cameo? You mean the like thing where people someone pay pays you, you? Yeah, someone pays you like to do real <laughs> Dave Batista. Just so maybe you haven't been on the site much. They usually pay the yep. celebrities to do that. No, I they can don't get, pay. Like, I can get like a, a couple of hundred bucks or something. I'll you're going to try to launch a fake uh, account. Yeah, for, I'll just wear like a really got off the rails fast. It here, definitely guys. did. The my point being though that there's a lot of that humor where everybody's really yelling at each other and digging into each other in a very angry way towards the beginning of the movie. But watching this this time, knowing that's where it started, and knowing that I'm very off put by that, they eventually do get to a place in some of the relationships. I was really trying to focus on the ones that work and some of the things that really, really do work in this movie that aren't quite as sharp and mean, I think are like the Yandu and rocket relationship. Oh my God. Really wonderful throughout here. And the whole thread of them figuring out, Oh, we're actually exactly like each other and we want exactly the same things. Ending with that really bold choice of a last shot of having a raccoon crying on screen and that's what you're leaving everybody with is yeah. awesome. So I, I like that quite a bit. And I mean, I uh, the I feel like Drax just drives this whole movie. I'm rewatching it like he is the sort of comedic engine of it. Like we get some the fun stuff with with Yandu and Rocket um, and and Groot. That whole montage I thought was really fun. But Drax's performance just like sort of owns the whole movie. I felt like mm. watching. So you like Drax in this movie? I like Drax. Yeah. Mm. Interesting, Richard. Where do you fall on the liking or not liking Drax? <laughs> I, I really like Drax. Yeah, I, I think he's very funny. I remember when this came out, there was like some pushback about like how you know meanly he treated mantis um and i think you know gun has even like commented on like you know one of the the things that he did in like the holiday special you know of bringing drax and mantis together was to kind of try to like mend that tension and so you know you see mantis kind of like give it back to drax a little bit and so she's less the butt of a joke they're kind of you know going at each other equally um 
So like I, I definitely like kind of remember that aspect, but I also felt like he was so funny in those moments. Like even if it was like sometimes at the expense of, of Mantis, like I feel like, you know, Drax's comedic timing in this movie is just mm. it's 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 killer. It's pretty great. Well, let's talk about Mantis then, because she's one of the big new additions in this movie. Uh, they. She uh, first of all, I think Pom Klementev, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, is yeah. fantastic and so funny. And they let her get even goofier and weirder. One of my favorite things. This is later on, but uh, in Infinity War, when no, 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 it it's Infinity War when they're breaking into the collectors. Yes, Infinity War. Yeah, and she's just sort of like creeping in the background of shots, and then later when they go to Titan, and she's just using the low gravity to jump up and around everywhere. Hilarious little moments like that. Uh, but what do you think about her introduction here in this movie? Pete, how does that work for you? Yeah, I liked it. I really liked how, you know, like it starts off by Drax uh, saying that she is ugly and then kind of ends with, uh, you know, Drax saying that you are beautiful on the inside. So I think it's, uh, you know, it kind of comes back around a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I thought um, Mantis was was fun. I mean, that whole thing about, like, you know, uh, her being able to kind of read feelings. And then, like, you know, she reveals that Peter's in love with Gamora. And then Drax starts laughing at you. It's like, that's the most embarrassing thing ever. Do me next. You know, it's just, like, such a fun energy of kind of calling out what's happening. But also... Excited to go next. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I like the two of them together, and I also like how you know Mantis is kind of living not a great lifestyle. And then they show up, and she's immediately kind of like, "Well, this guy's loud and fun. That's not usually what I get." So uh, she was kind of like immediately kind of like drawn to that. So I thought they were. It's a fun uh, duo for sure. Yeah, I think you know she. Uh, Mantis takes on qualities of Drax, uh, mm-hmm. Drax as it feels like over the course of the movie, and and that, that's why them being buddied up in the holiday special felt like especially like fun because they do seem like uh, almost um, uh, that they they just connect and sort of feed off each other's energy. Well, let me. This is another thing that cropped up, and I think it's okay. You know, I don't have a problem with this necessarily, but it certainly was a question that got raised in my mind while I was watching this. We had the big revelation in the holiday special that Mantis is Star-Lord's sister or half-sister and Ego is her father, something that isn't established in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And in fact, what they delve into here is that Ego's whole thing is he went all over the galaxy to all of these different planets, had progeny, and then when they didn't turn out to have the celestial sea that he needed in order to spark his light, he killed them and left their skeletons in the middle of his planet. He ate them or whatever he did with them. Does that jibe with what we know about Mantis now? Does that revelation work when you go back and watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? What do you guys think? I think now he kept her around because she does other stuff. Mm -hmm. She didn't have the spark, but she can... She seems to be a good right-hand person. uh, Alex, as you know, uh, getting to sleep is hard, you know, and if you mm. can have somebody who can help you sleep, you're going to keep <laughs> them around. I mean, that's a huge thing to be able to d- you imagine how awesome it would just be like, all right, put me to sleep right now. You know what I mean? And if, I, just, like, if, crash we, out. if I just touched your head and you went to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I would like that good. power. That would, yeah, be, that would be fun. 
Let's I wish I could reach across to your Zoom box and just be like, <laughs> sleep. It's like those guys sleep. from Dark City. Sleep now. Right. Uh, again, that. another banger cameo impression, Alex. <laughs> what, are do do? what are you up to? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, feel like I, I can, can start two you. accounts. Dave Batista laughs at the Dark City weird guys. <laughs> There yeah, that's go. good. Dark City. I'll, a lot of people just banging yeah, down the door. That. I don't know what that reference is. I got to so. check out Dark City, man. Uh, Richard, how do you feel about the Mantis revelation here in retrospect? Does it work for you? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it works uh, overall. I kind of like the idea that he, you know, kept her around as kind of like ally, and I like the the family connection. You know, that's established later. I think it, I think it works. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't we talk about Kurt Russell as ego then? And I'm curious to hear from Pete, because you were saying you were upset about this. Were you upset yeah. about this because you liked Kurt Russell and then he was bad and that made you feel bad? Well, yes, but okay. also the fact that, you know, like uh, he turned out to be a shitty father. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I watching it the first time was kind of filled with the hope that made her Maybe Peter Quill was also filled with of like, hey, maybe this guy is uh, uh, the long lost father I've always wanted. Maybe this is going to work out, um, you know, and uh, it all goes horribly wrong. And I just remember how crushing that was, uh, that feeling, um, you know. So, but yeah, I think that Kurt Russell, you know, phenomenal actor, a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, uh, sad when he's got to play a bad guy or a piece of shit, you know, it's not as much fun, mm. you know, so in the planet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I like him being the, uh, the kind of anti-hero or the hero, uh, who, uh, you know, is driving a giant truck and, uh, talking about yeah. uh, all sorts or of stuff. Or some sort know. of, yeah, like roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or pork chop express. I mean, we could go down a lot of different, you know, a lot <laughs> of different stuff. I mean, or f- uh, tricking a woman I, into being his wife after she falls overboard. Any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those fun things. Hey, I mean, those, they're happily married. Okay. So that, that worked. That me cute worked. Okay. Say what you will, mm-hmm. but, uh, they're both happily in a relationship. Have you, have you ever thought that maybe Caruso would come and be like, Pete, I'm your father. <laughs> <laughs> no, I already got a dad. I don't need another one, but I appreciate what you're saying. Well, <laughs> let me throw this out at you. I didn't know this before I was prepping for this podcast, but apparently they wanted to and maybe even offered the role to Matthew McConaughey first. Oh, and, wow. he did, tur- yeah. is, and he turned it down for The Dark Tower, right? I believe. It's true, yeah. That's, wow, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, McConaughey? That would I mean, be a, so weird. It's a gamble. I mean, uh, they're both great comic book properties, you know? I mean, it's... Dark Tower? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> book. Dark Tower is a book, first of all. Uh, and it was a comic, a comic too. book, too. Yeah. a comic book, yeah. Uh, Don't sure. tell me it yeah, was but, a okay, comic book. That's true. Right, talked sorry. about it on the show, motherfucker. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So I agree. Jesus uh, Christ. Yes. But that would have been a very different movie, I think. Uh, on that note, I think, like, the thing that works about Kurt Russell for me as ego is exactly the thing that bummed you out, Pete, because Kurt Russell is such a likable guy. Yeah. He comes out there. You are rooting for it to work. There's that great scene where they're playing ball with the energy and everything, which is really fun. Yeah. And yeah. The thing that's, I think, so surprising and uh, I, I think well done is the turn is so quick here. 
Like everything yeah. is going right up until mm-hmm. there's really just a maybe four or five minute chunk of the movie where suddenly Mantis is like, everything's wrong. I got to tell you what's actually going on. Nebula and Gamora discover the cave with the skeletons. And then Kurt Russell ego is telling Star-Lord is like, oh, yeah. And there were all these other women. And I'm just going to like kind of use you as a battery. We're going to take over the galaxy. It's all going to be us. Don't you love that? And it all happens very, very quickly, ending with the punch of, yeah, I really wish I hadn't given your mother that tumor, which drives Star-Lord insane. But I love how quickly that turns and that emotional punch there. And I think that's something that James Gunn does really, really well. Yeah, I think it's like the the casual nature of Kurt Russell's delivery too. Like this is it's nothing to him, and yet it's everything to us, you know, as the audience and to Peter. And so I feel like that balance, you know, that we see there that really makes it impactful. Yeah, I, I think it also works. I mean, it's a pretty obvious metaphor, but just taking the idea of ego and making the character ego all about that concept. I think is a really smart thing as well that plays out throughout the movie. And it really contrasts very nicely with the guardians of the galaxy, which are all about each other and all about supporting each other and being a family. So it is these diametric opposites that you set up in the movie. Uh, that the, uh, was, Oh, what were you going to say? Pete? That was a huge moment where, you know, like, um, uh, Gamora and, and uh, Quill are fighting and he's like, why aren't you happy for me? I finally found my family. And she's like, I thought you already found it, you know, because yeah. the Guardians was his kind of uh, found family there. And it w- that was such a powerful, amazing uh, kind of moment there. Yeah. Uh, this movie, like she's such a stable, Gamora is such a stabilizing force for Star-Lord. Like, yeah. All of their scenes are him being like, we should date. And she's like, you have severe emotional problems in every aspect of your life. Um, and But also she's like very quick to fight with her sister to the death. You know, I mean, like she's also got family issues. It's not like she's coming from a place of perfection. I, I don't think she's say, saying that at all. I just think he's like putting, he's like, let's go out, let's go out clearly. And she's just like, yo, you're a wreck. And you want me to like come and I bear it. Like I'm your family and that I'm helping you not lose it right now. Um, then maybe once we can hang out a little bit and uh, be, have a relationship, then maybe we can take. I mean, just to throw out, this is uh, swerving onto another character pairing here, but since you mentioned it, Justin, Nebula and Gamora, I I think the arc with Nebula is so good in this movie, too, and it really uses Karen Gillan so well. She's another one. She is very funny in real life, but in this movie, she Nebula is like stealthily funny. The thing where they have the runner of she's really hungry and she just wants to eat this weird <laughs> thing. And then she finally bites it and they keep being like, it's not ripe. It's not ripe. And then she yeah. bites it and she's like, it's not ripe. And then spits it out. Very funny. <laughs> the line where uh, oh, I'm forgetting who it is. I think it's Yondu says when they electrocute they destroy the um, golden people. I just watched this movie. And I blame sovereign. Yeah. Sovereign. sovereign. Yeah. Uh, and she destroys the sovereign and he says, this is going to hurt a lot. And she says, promises, promises. The way yeah. that, she, that is great. But the big thing getting to what Pete was talking about, like with the Nebula Gamora fight thing, Gamora is not really trying to kill her. She's just angry. Yeah. But there's this lovely turn there emotionally towards the end where Nebula lays out for Gamora 
this is why I'm so bad at you because yeah. every time you were better than me, Thanos ripped apart out of me, like physically yeah. ripped apart out of me. That's what hurts is that I was in physical pain this entire time. Um, and I think that connection is really good. How do you guys feel about the Nebula Gamora connection throughout this movie? Justin? I, I thought it was great. Like, there's there are so many relationships and like contentious relationships at play in this movie, and that one I thought uh, Nebula is such a good character because she's mad all the time, but she's also funny, um, and so like you you're getting both sort of sides of that bouncing back and forth all the time. So when she cuts through that with her honesty uh, to Gamora, it just hits. It just really works, especially when all the other characters are sort of not saying the thing. Uh, like Rocket or, or, or Peter Quill, they're all just like, look, no, I'm fine. And then when she cuts through like that, she just pops in a, in a really nice way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pete, I, oh, go ahead. I, I very much enjoy uh, the kind of uh, sister relationship they have. I mean, that one moment where, you know, she's like, I just wanted a sister was such a great kind of moment that they kind of share. And it is, uh, you know, having a sibling, you do have these kind of like, you know, these drag out fights, you know, and it's yeah. just like uh, if you steal beer from like uh, your sibling's fridge, like there's shut, a price to be shut, paid. Shut up, dude. Don't say that so loud. <laughs> uh, I, I just think it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, you, you do kind of ride that line of like w- wanting to inflict pain. But then if you see them get actually get hurt or, you know, like that, you kind of like stop. And, you know, so I really like the betrayal of that in the movie. I thought they did a great job. Uh, let's talk about Baby Groot, which is one of the, mm. the other biggest additions of this movie. One thing to clarify, since people still seem to be confused about this, James Gunn has clarified this a million times. This is not Groot. This is the son of Groot. Groot died in the first movie, and then his spores or branches or whatever grew into this new being known as Baby what? Uh, there you go. Yes. Oh, man, that's News fucking heartbreaking, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, it's only been, uh, you know, five years that he's been talking about that nonstop oh, whenever anybody asks. But there you go. I haven't been asking, so I didn't know. Oh, okay, but, man, you, uh, you just got to ask about That's heartbreaking. Yeah. got to talk to him directly. And you guys talk so much, so you should bring that up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pete is in charge of the entire DC film slate. We should mention that. Is that yeah. yeah, I wish, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucked up to say on this. We would be getting so sure. many Aquaman movies. It would just be like Aquaman, <laughs> Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. Just no Lobo the in there. No Lobo, Pete. Well, eventually you got to work up to it. Space Wolverine. Oh, okay. You got to work up. To How about it? Lobo colon Space Wolverine? Nope. We're getting a little off track here. Let's talk about Baby Groot, who I think is absolutely delightful and probably the best part of the movie. There's so many great punchlines with Baby Groot here, so many great bits that they get to do. The whole uh, bomb thing at uh, the yeah. end with Rocket and Baby Groot, where he just keeps misunderstanding the buttons, is perfect, like comedically perfect. I mean, it, there's a we don't get a lot of comedies anymore, just in general in movies. And we definitely don't get comedies that take the time to really lean into a, a bit is, that is dumb, but funny. <laughs> and like him getting the button wrong and then Rocket being like, do you have any, can we get some tape? And then <laughs> Star-Lord go, asks everyone for tape. Well, they're, no, and then they're sitting fight. there. Yeah. yeah. It's just great. It's so super funny and it works every time that Groot then goes back to point point at the wrong button. It works every time. 
<laughs> well, that yeah, it was a running bit of Groot not understanding and trying to explain to him what yes. you need him to do. Groot, him son not. of Groot, just to be clear. Yeah, the son of Groot. Because Groot died. Groot died. Oh, Groot, Groot is dead, uh, Pete. Uh, all right, yeah, stop. Pete, when you please. go outside and see a tree, do you, you know those are also different trees. The trees oh. are different from each other. What? All right, let's not get so sidetracked here. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of like a sad where Groot's getting picked on, and they're in jail, and they need him to get the fin, and there's like this fun of trying to explain it to Groot, and then the callback with the bomb and them trying to explain it to Groot. Uh, just hysterical comedy, just absolutely hysterical comedy, especially the part where they're like, tell me there's a, a place in the ship where you guys have severed you know, toes. And it's like, no, let's never speak of this yeah. yeah, Richard, do you have a favorite baby Groot bit in the movie? Probably the the bomb moment mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah, it's just a great great comedic moment. I I love like the the attention to detail that like Gun you know gives to these characters. Like I feel like there's such a consistency in how each character's humor kind of works, um, and so like I really like that like ongoing thread of like Groot not understanding things. Um, like, I feel like, you know, it's not just for that single bit. Like you see it build over the course of the film. And I feel like that's one of the things that like Gunn is so great at. It's that like, he's so good at like the consistency of both the humor and like the emotional aspects of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about teen Groot in the mm. uh, credit sequence and more controversial Groot, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Teen Groot. I think that's a funny bit. I also, I mean, this is very much jumping ahead, but I love that this movie has five post-credit sequences. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. The the credits, uh, when I was watching it on Disney+, Plus, and immediately after the first scene with Craglin came up and was like, skip credits, and I was like, no, I'm not going to skip these. These credits are great. It's a whole other movie. It's like a short yeah, film. In the, exactly. Yeah, there's there. the post-credit sequences. There's everybody dancing in there. You got... Mm. Uh, you got what's his name, Games Master, showing up in his first appearance in the credits as well, just dancing because they had Jeff yeah, Goldblum available. Great stuff. Um, Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff, Hasselhoff is in yeah. there exactly. Hassel the Hoff. Guardians Inferno, very fun. Um, I did want to take it back though to the beginning because not to stick with Baby Groot. Wait, wait, what? Wait, uh, wait, wait. So, wait. wait. If Groot's dead, why why is this guy <laughs> named Groot? It should be a different name. Like if I died and then someone was just like, "Oh yeah, that guy's Pete," and it's not me. I mean, that's kind of messed up, man. Well, think about it this way: if let's say you died, right? right. You died saving us, and your hand fell off nice. in the process, right. and then a new small beardy angry guy grew out of that, we would probably name that baby Pete. Come on, yeah. that's fucked up, man. <laughs> let that's me, really let me, messed up. Let me also this say this. New if, person has their own identity. has nothing to do, you know what I mean? Like, If the only thing that you said is I am Pete, which is basically true, <laughs> listen to the podcast, <laughs> and then another guy who looks very much like you is like, I am Pete, I'd be like, same, pretty, pretty much the same guy. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you guys are awful. Uh, <laughs> sorry, man. The thing at the beginning of the movie, the opening credit sequence with Baby Groot Dad saying while the Guardians are all fighting the monster for the Sovereign in the background is perfect. And 
beyond everything, I know I was a little cranky about some of the humor stuff in the beginning. I think when James Gunn leans into the visual parts of the movie, they're so good and they're so creative and beyond so much else that's happening in the MCU, like that dad sequence, just the way that it's staged, the way that it slowly goes around, but you can still keep track of all of the action of everything that's happening at the same time. Or later on when they're doing the, I think it's 400 jumps Seven. through. What? 700? Uh, 700, yeah. 700 jumps and their faces just start to get distended and look crazy. Yeah, that's fun. It's very fun. Like the yeah. way things are staged is very fun. He has a really good eye for that stuff. It's great. Oh, go ahead, Justin. It looks like you were going to say something. I was going to say um, the. I, I want to talk about the music um, while you're talking about that yeah. Groot sequence. Like uh, these Guardians movies, I feel like the music is such an important the soundtracks part of them. are yeah. Great soundtrack. You get Brandy, a great uh, older song as the driver here, and then landing on um, uh, T for the Tillerman, uh, Cat Stevens song, um, or Father and Son from T for the Tillerman is the song. And it just great use of using music to communicate the emotions be- between characters and across all the characters um, is just really awesome in this movie. Well, I mean, music is such a, a huge part of these movies. I mean, the the and and it also ties into his Walkman and the mixtapes, you know. So it is such a huge part that is a great way to kind of highlight a feeling or something uh, from the characters through the music. So yeah, I mean, they did a really great job of picking uh, different songs and different music for the first two movies that are just. Uh, just bangers. So it was really impressive. Uh, the one of my favorite parts about the first one, uh, definitely, I went out and got the soundtrack, uh, and then the second one as well. So uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it it just uh, it, it shows how much care they're putting into the uh, the movies. Uh, you know, picking the right music and great bit with the zoom towards the end. Oh, That's yeah. a killer punchline. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some other favorite moments from the movie. Richard, are there any other favorite moments that we haven't really covered yet that jump out to you, things that you remember? Um, I, love, uh, I love Yandu's whistle, the, the mm. arrow, that yeah. whole sequence, you know, just going back to like how Gunn visually constructs these sequences, mm. uh, you know, and along with the music, like it's just like such a cool visual and also musical moment in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah, that one shot where they're kind of lock, walking down the bridge yeah. and just bodies falling as the music is playing, and they're just kind of strutting. It's Visually very cool, but yeah. I gotta say, Yandu mm. too powerful, too powerful. The what? arrow it just kills everybody. I, I just always had a problem with this. It's a flying I've always had a problem arrow. With this. <laughs> it kills. He just kills. He killed a hundred people in that sequence. So I will say, sure did. I will say, I because you've said this before. I think you said this when we were talking about the first Guardians movie on the podcast. Yeah. And in the first Guardians movie, I don't feel it because it is like you're waiting to see what he's going to do. What's he going to do? And then he pulls out the arrow and. He slaughters everybody, and it's very cool. Here, like you're saying, it looks awesome, and there's this red line going through the uh, aerial yeah. view of the entire spaceship is awesome. But yeah, it is so overpowered that it could be like, yeah, I can kill this entire Ravager crew just by whistling a little bit is bonkers. But yes. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, the postcard tag with Craglin, where he's trying to figure out the whistle and <laughs> shoots it directly into Drax's throat. Very funny. Very funny. 
So it's worth uh, it. It's worth it. But, but we should talk about, despite the fact that I think Yandu's too powerful in these movies, um, the emotional impact of Yandu's death is so good. First off, oh you God. get the great Mary Poppins joke, which Yo, is oh my God, he's like, yeah. so so fun. Si- yeah. It's simultaneously a great joke and a great heartfelt moment when he says to to Quill, like, "Is he cool?" Yeah, and he's like, "Fuck yeah, Mary Poppins <laughs> is cool." And I was like, "That's real. That's true. Mary Poppins is cool." And he's like, "I'm Mary Poppins." He's like, just- "I'm Mary Poppins, y'all." And you can see, like, uh, you can see Peter Quill being like wanting to give this to his his real father, and it's just an emotional moment. And then when he sacrificed himself, it was upsetting. I cried. And oh yeah, that's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I yeah. mean that that whole thing about him being like, you know, you think I control it with you know my thoughts, and he was like, I control it with my heart. Oh, just. Oh, that got me. Got me. Yeah, that the line that got me from Yondu is the one where, oh my gosh, I should have written it down, but the one where he says, He may be your father, but I'm your daddy, but I've always yeah. been your daddy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just well, Michael Rooker. you say it makes it sound creepy, but he said it in a way that was very touching. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's true. I'll leave that one off the cameo, I guess. I won't do that. Yeah, but good. that's less, yeah. I would argue that's less of a great Rooker. That's not a great Michael <laughs> yeah. Rooker impression. Oh, really? Huh. All right. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll, I'll work on it and Something I'll bring it back. Learn. I'll bring yeah. it back. Um, yeah, that is great. Oh, one other thing I wanted to throw out for the final battle that I forget about every time I watch this movie and I love it every time that Peter Quill is actually not very creative as a guy and he can come up with anything in the universe. And he just comes up with balls of light. And he's like, I don't know. I'd come up with like Pac- a big Pac-Man or something if we could do that. And then in the final battle, when he's attacking Ego, he becomes a gigantic Pac-Man. It's very Great. fun. Great it's set of callback. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Why don't we move it on to our vision board and talk one, about – oh, yeah. You can call it out, Pete. One, Go ahead. Yeah. One thing I just want to talk about a little bit is Gamora – uh, kind of, a, a, you know, she has this line about like, what if this, uh, you know, man is your Hasselhoff? And I thought that was a really funny, uh, f- funny line. And it was just delivered in such a earnest way, but saying such ridiculous things, which I very much, uh, think is ridiculous. I mean, the whole taser face bit is ridiculous and very just, fun. you know, like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of really fun uh, small moments that I have like are kind of like all are saying bigger things, which I really appreciate about exactly. this movie. I think a great example of that is um, Kurt Russell saying, yes, Drax, I have a penis, which I think is saying yeah, something. Yeah. Yes, Drax, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and one other thing, because we haven't really talked about the Sovereign too much, who are interesting characters that this could segue us nicely, I think, into the vision board section where we talk about things going forward. Uh, but the Sovereign doing that whole drone video game type thing, that's just a yeah. fun, again, visual setup, and it's a fun way of doing it with having this antagonistic force that the stakes are like high stakes, low stakes at the same time, where they could kill them, but if they get killed, they're just like, oh, man, I lost my game. And yeah, and it makes it. like video game noises when they mm-hmm. die, which is a real fun effect that they use to kind of like undercut the tension of it, which I thought was cool. It was but very why cool, don't we but move? I, oh, yeah. Because yeah, what I want to talk about is what you're saying, Alex. Yes. Is they we get a little setup for Adam Warlock at the back mm-hmm, end yeah. of this movie, and he seems like he's ready to burst right out. 
Yeah, he is. So that is in the post credit sequence. And apparently Marvel was a little worried about this because they thought people were going to think Adam Warlock was going to show up in Infinity War or Endgame. James Gunn was very clear about that, like, no, that's not going to happen. But he is showing up in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is coming out later next year as we're taping this. And Adam Warlock is going to show up as Will Poulter. Um, Just generally speaking from the movie, Justin, I imagine the thing you're most excited for from Guardians 3 at this point is... Adam Warlock. Or... Yeah, I, I love Adam Warlock. And I, I mean, I guess we could say like a trailer just dropped for uh, volume three, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we are um, getting closer to seeing that. I'm very curious. Adam Warlock to me is tied up so uh, directly to the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, so I'm curious where we're, they're going to take uh, Adam Warlock in this new movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Richard, what are you looking forward to in Guardians 3? Uh, definitely, definitely Adam Warlock as well. Um, he's just such a cool character and like so like rooted in like this kind of like 70s sci-fi spectacle, but also like a huge inspiration was Jesus Christ Superstar. And so it's just like this kind <laughs> yeah. of like weird, like alien, you know, space Jesus. Uh, and so I'm really interested to see how they kind of like tackle that. And also like the whole like Magus is like, you know, backup evil personality i mean like there's so much to explore with that character so i'm really interested to see kind of how he like fits in that um but i'm also really excited to see uh layla the uh the otter who's uh rocket's love interest in the in the comics um you know i i love rocket and i i think that you know he deserves some some happiness and um you know the the, the trailer definitely like is it's hinting at like a tragedy but i wonder if they're just kind of like you know, yeah, playing their hand because people expect that. Um, but I, I definitely like to see him, you know, find find some happiness. I think he's definitely earned it. And I think that, you know, this whole um, arc has been like such an interesting one, especially like going back to uh, Gunn's comments on the character when the first movie came out and he said that, you know, Rocket is the character that he most relates to. Um you know, because he felt broken, you know, growing up. And so Rocket's, you know, whole whole arc is just like, you know, dealing with this idea that he's been broken and trying to heal that. Um, and so I'd, I'd love to see like more of that, that healing take place. I think that, I just think it's really incredible that like one of the most touching like stories in the MCU is like this, this little cybernetic raccoon. <laughs> Trash panda. Yeah, uh, trash panda. It's so much worse. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I agree with all that. I'm really looking forward to that, but I'm also really looking forward to uh, Gamora and Peter's relationship. Like it's, uh, uh, you know, after the Christmas special, there wasn't any movement on it, and uh, even we see him in such a sad place. And in this one, you have so much hope, where she uh, admits that there is something between them. Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm really, I'm really hoping for, uh, some good, good, uh, relationship stuff in, in three for sure. Do you think Adam Warlock is going to be like a swing in seventies Austin Powers type energy? Oh, he's going to like try to put a CD on a record player and be like, oh, yeah, like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they kind of did the Kurt Russell with the 70s hair and uh, kind of, uh, you know, like 
swinging dude who's been planting his seeds all over the galaxy type of thing. So I don't know if they do that right away. I am very curious to see how Adam Warlock is going to fit in to all of this because it does feel like this leftover thing from the Sovereign storyline that they're teeing up. It feels like he could be a main antagonist, but we're also going to be getting one of my absolute favorite Marvel villains in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, who is the High Evolutionary. And it seems like High Evolutionary probably ties into the Rocket story. He is probably going to be the main antagonist here. So how this all gels together, I trust James Gunn enough at this point because he is good at taking these various story threads. Oh, now you trust him? I trust him implicitly on everything, uh, except oh, wow. for his plan that he's approved for you to do nonstop Aquaman movies. That's weird. Wow. It's weird. Sounds like, sounds like someone got a James Gunn to your head, Alex, and making you say this. <laughs> but I am very excited about that movie. I, I think it's going to be really good, particularly after the holiday special, as well as this rewatch of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Before we wrap up here, Richard, what do you want to plug? Where should people check you out? Uh, yeah, so I am on Twitter uh, currently uh, <laughs> at, at Richard L. Newby. Um, I also wrote a collection of uh, horror short stories called We Make oh, cool. Monsters Here. Uh, that's available uh, on Amazon Digital and Paperback. And the link to that is also uh, in my Twitter profile. Um, I cover a bunch of Marvel stuff for, for THR. Uh, so you can find a lot of my stuff there. And uh, I cover horror for Fangoria. Richard, thank you so much for coming on. And for all of you out there, if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about the MCU, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Uh, and Alex, I paid seventy dollars for that Drax laugh, so I'm I'm just waiting. Oh, it's coming! It's coming! I'll do it right now. Ha 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 ha! Worth every penny. Hey.